Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFT's What The Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from counterparty to rare pepes, crypto punks and kitties, from Xcopy to Pack, and people's record auction. With the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future, these episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter. My name is Cyrus Atkinson, and I'm the creator of uh, the first on-chain, on-blockchain virtual world, Etheria. So tell us about this crazy journey that you've been going through, right? Um, so I managed to speak to you offline, and there you were building this game five, six years ago. You presented it on ETH1, and then fast forward five years later, this thing's on fire in Discord. Tell us about that that journey. Yeah, I think that starts in uh, 2014. I happened across the um, Ether sale announcement on Hacker News, and you know, watched the videos, read the white paper, and immediately got it. And I said, "This is going to be world changing. It's uh, turning completeness on the blockchain. So, computation that is trustless." Um, I followed the project until its launch on. Um, July 30th, 2015, and immediately got to work on um, Etheria, which is a little virtual world. The blockchain can't hold all that much, but it's a 33 by 33 map of tiles that people can purchase and trade and uh, use little Lego-like bricks to build things on. I launched the first version of that on uh, October 21st, 2015, and it had internal trading functions. Uh, I was going off of Gav York's Gavcoin examples, and it would say so and so has an offer, some, and and the owner of that tile could then reject that offer or accept that offer. But that internal plumbing uh, was very expensive to deploy. The contract size was huge, uh, and it was complicated. So I didn't figure anybody would actually trade these things. I thought it would be kind of a novelty at best. So when I deployed version 1.2 on October 29th, 2015, I I scrapped all that internal plumbing for trading and just added one simple function that said, if you're the owner of a tile, set that tile ownership to someone else or some other account. And that was the breakthrough because that made tile trading externally controllable uh, and trustless through other contracts and therefore exchange tradable, never mind that exchanges wouldn't exist for another several years. Yeah, so people bought some tiles early on, a couple people built some stuff. One guy built a pretty impressive cabin, you know, completely on the command line um, on, on his tile. But the project, you know, went fallow, uh, unused for more than five years until just recently, the uh, NFTs started getting hot and I realized, oh boy, I might have actually done the first ones ever. And I fired up the website, fired up the Twitter. And once I fired up the Twitter, some of the original OGs from Ethereum, you know, made the uh, googly eye icons and uh, was off to the races at that point. People found the current contract version 1.2 bought up all the tiles in a few hours on Saturday, uh, 359 of them. And then on Sunday, 
bought up the 409 tiles that were outstanding in the V1.1 contract, they felt that the V1.1 represented actually the very first NFTs on the blockchain, even though version 1.2 is the version that I will be, as the developer, um, branching from. And ownership, by the way, of 1.0, which did get a little publicity on, on um, Reddit, that ownership was transferred to 1.1 at the time. And then when 1.2 came out, I transferred the ownership from 1.1 to 1.2. So nobody on 1.0 or 1.1 was left behind. Those people are all very happy today. So the last time you um, you presented this was at ETH1. I believe you were a fill-in, right? And you got on stage. Yeah. Tell us about that. <laughs> they had a cancellation in the schedule. And uh, because of my Reddit post, I think maybe Simon DLR also had a, um, a post. Uh, it, there was some knowledge of Ethereum or of Ethereum. So when they had a break in the schedule, a cancellation, I understood. Uh, I, th I heard that Vitalik said, get that Ethereum guy, have him fill in. And so I went on stage and I did a live demonstration. I, I fired up my blockchain, my Geth instance, or my Geth uh, console, and bought one of the tiles that was unowned. And then I executed a series of commands against the blockchain to farm tiles. You have to make the tiles, uh, sorry, farm blocks. You have to farm the blocks on your tile. And then I uh, executed more commands to color those tiles, red, blue, yellow, and green, and then made the Microsoft logo on that tile. Microsoft was the sponsor, the leading sponsor of DevCon 1. I remember, yeah. And so that I think was the second on-chain artwork ever created after my horse that was on the first time. And then, I mean, in, in the context of NFTs, you disappeared. Obviously, you didn't actually disappear. You're a human being. You, you got a life. I'm sure it's been a very interesting and fulfilling one. But like you, you disappeared from the scene. Can you tell us about, firstly, why you disappeared or kind of stopped participating? And then, and then what it was that brought you back? Like, what was the, the moment that kind of triggered, um, you're going to have a look and see what's going back on in the space? Well, I think fundamentally, I'm just sort of an anti-institutionalist. Um, I didn't really want to go to church when I was little. I didn't want to go to school. Uh, I didn't want to join a fraternity at first, even though I ultimately did uh, the second year. I just, you know, I don't buy into organized groups, really. And so when blockchain Ethereum was early, it was it was exciting because it felt like a bunch of early believers and that we were all in the same historical moment. When by the time DevCon 3 came around, maybe maybe this was happening at 2, too. I don't know. I didn't go. Um, you know, all of a sudden you've got people in T-shirts, printed T-shirts and sitting at booths hawking whatever it is that they're hawking. A lot of it didn't even make sense to me. So, yeah, I just sort of went back to the real world, um, worked on other projects, worked a, worked a normal job in New York for a couple of years, and uh, escaped. And it wasn't until this weekend when I started seeing activity and and. Well, it was actually back in February that I saw the NFT activity and started firing up my Twitter. And so 
like a, an important thing both for serial and you is this concept of on chain like why is that important and why do you think ultimately that's where value will accrue so i see it as a two by two matrix with two binary variables the first variable is is the asset living and described on the chain that would include crypto kitties that would include ethereum tiles and anything built on an ethereum tile uh, it would not include pointers to real-world assets like uh, Beeple, the Beeple painting. Um, the other variable is, is it exchange tradable? Um, and for instance, I told you about Ethereum version 1.0 had internal trading functions, meaning it cannot be placed. Those tiles could never be placed on an exchange. Ethereum version 1.1 and 1.2 had that magic transfer function that enables third-party trading. Um, so th that's the way I see the universe, those four subdivisions. And really, um, I think in the modern world, it just kind of comes down to only those that are exchange tradable. Is it a described on chain NFT or is it a pointer to a real world object NFT? The reason why this is very powerful, like on chain is very powerful, is because of the composability, the idea that you can continuously, infinitely layer on functionality to an underlying NFT. So for example, in the context of, of what you built, there's a land parcel, but you can add more detail to it. Can you kind of talk us through the possibilities that are afforded when you build something that is on chain and therefore kind of composable? Sure. So when somebody buys their tile in Ethereum, they can um, farm for blocks, but not to be confused with, you know, blockchain blocks. These are like Lego bricks and you can move those around, stack them, color them. And that is a form of, that's your paintbrush. You can make a painting or uh, not, not literally, but a form of art on the blockchain. Uh, that's very different in my mind than what is going on with pointer nfts to objects in the real world and so now you've got this discord server i don't know how many people it's not mine okay interesting <laughs> that well that's that's what you're talking about that's that's composability so it that data sits on the blockchain and whether or not i ever do anything with it in the future it can live on because there's a there's an exchange that has popped up around it there's a discord that has popped up around it someone can fork the ethereum world as it exists into into their own. So, you know, so long as they don't use the word Ethereum, I guess, because I wouldn't appreciate that. But you know what I mean? All that all that data lives there. And I've made it very clear that I don't care what you do with that data. That's the whole point of blockchain is it's all open. It's, a, it's the point of open source, right? If you build a magic, um, you know, let's just say Apache engine to run a website, well, Apache can't then control what anybody does with that. You know, there's there's hate speech websites that use Apache. So it's, um, you know, that the information is there. Any transaction is that happens in Ethereum or any fork of Ethereum would be trustless. Uh, it's you know it's just really magical, and that's why I was interested from day one. So what next? So you're you're back, Phoenix from the ashes, or yeah, you know, like, and and so what are you what are you here for now? 
And do you think you'll stick around or do you think you'll get as bored, frustrated with what happens with NFTs in this, in this kind of next stage of its evolution? No, it's exciting to me. If people had bought up all the tiles back in 2015, I would have stayed with the project and, and you know, nurtured it. But they didn't. And so it wasn't interesting to me. But now that people are interested and they're clamoring for ways to build, like, how can I build something? And, you know, I'm here for that. That's cool. I want to help you. So what do you think this represents then? We, we've, we're kind of at a moment, an inflection point where people are beginning to question both, I guess, the provenance and history of NFTs. They're beginning to question what is valuable, what is value, like what's going on? Well, I did quite a bit of research on the history of NFTs over the past few days. And, um, you know, at the beginning of time, there was Bitcoin. And then there were other chains, completely separate chains like LTC or Doge. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I love the fact that you don't know this. This is amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you're an OG, and yet you, you, I, I love it. Oh, you, there's tons that I don't know. Trust me. So then on top of Bitcoin came a new protocol called Counterparty, which was essentially the first stab at ERC-20. Um, they called them, I guess, colored coins at the time. But it's kind of like if you have a bank... Uh, a check that you take to the bank, but then you keep track of some other ledger in the memo section of those checks. Well, then now you've got a separate currency riding on the back of the bank's currency. And so that's what counterparty is. And their protocol, as far as I understand it, allowed for you to mint non-divisible coins uh, and also only one unit of a coin, if you so chose. So in late 2014, November 2014, someone named Rob Myers minted 100 units of what he called My Soul on the counterparty ledger, counterparty protocol of the Bitcoin ledger. And, uh, you know, it rem- it, it's interesting to think that, you know, that that's sort of a form of artwork, putting My Soul 100 units on counterparty. He also did it on uh, Doge Party. Um, if he, and then it's interesting to think, well, what if he had made only one unit? Well, then then you've got one theoretically exchange tradable unit of what this person essentially intended to be art. If that existed, and there's no there's no evidence of that yet, nothing like that has surfaced, then that would probably be considered the first NFT because the person who created it could say. Well, I declare that this one unit of art coin represents some painting they did, right? Uh, we don't know that that happened, and it wasn't until Ethereum launched and then Ethereum, my project, that the very first true exchange tradable, completely described on chain, no real world asset, um, arose. I mean, I just love the fact that. Um... I love what's happening to you and the project. I think it's great for the space. Um, what are your what are your hopes for your project, Etheria, and NFTs generally? Well, for let me start with the second one first, and you'll probably have to remind me the first part because my memory doesn't go that long. Um, 
NFTs, I would say to most people, I would warn them to be careful. Um, you, if the asset, if, if the general universe of NFTs is merely pointers to things in the real world, then that's an infinite supply. Anybody can mint that at any time on any day, and they can do it a thousand times a day. And if, if those underlying assets are considered infinite, uh, and, and maybe those digital pointers on the blockchain are not represented by the physical world in jurisdictions, legal jurisdictions, then I think you're in for some trouble. The other side, the ones that are described on chain, CryptoKitties, CryptoPunks, Mooncats, Ethereotiles, those are more interesting to me because the scarcity of those coins, cats, punks, are all described on chain. They're all written there. I can't, there are only 457 tiles in Ethereum. I cannot make more of them. Now, if I deployed an upgraded version, I could, but I promise not to do that. And it remains to be seen if they'd have any value anyway. 1.2 will always be there. Um, and so the same would go for punks and cats. There's a limited number of them, I suppose. I actually haven't looked at those contracts. Don't quote me on that. But theoretically, they're scarce. And that is written into their DNA on the blockchain. So, and you know, maybe this is a slightly esoteric question, but, you know, if you look at Mooncats or CryptoPunks or even your project, and I mean, no offense by this, but it's not a triple A game, right? You know, it's not, if, if you look at the universe of... <laughs> <laughs> the blockchain could never handle a triple A game. You should see some of the prototype <laughs> maps I did. You think I only <laughs> wanted to have 33 by 33? I, the, the first maps were like 500 by 500, but blockchain right, just but, can't handle that. But people are valuing these things at more than any asset you can buy in a triple A game. So what the fuck's going on? Well, okay, so... Ethereum version 1.1 would have a claim, its holders claim that it is the first on-chain NFT. So it has scarcity and historical significance. If you go buy a super sword in MechWarrior 8, I don't even know if that's a game, that has no historical significance. So there's one difference right there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the main reason. Plus, you're, the blockchain guarantees minting. Version 1.2 is set in stone on the blockchain forever. It cannot possibly ever have more tiles. But there's nothing stopping MechWarrior 8 from minting a gazillion flaming swords or whatever I just said. <laughs> just a question on that. So, I mean, are you a sci-fi guy? Were you into Ready Player One and Snow Crash and, you know... Star Trek The Next Generation comes to mind, but I think the heaviest influence as it pertains to blockchain would be Magic the Gathering. Um, Magic the Gathering is a card game, and you buy packs, and those cards in their cardboard form have scarcity. In the mid-2000s or late-2000s, when they launched a digital version of the game and preserved trading and scarcity, it completely blew my mind. Because now you, there are only ones and zeros, inside of a inside of their interface but you know this ninja card has just as much value as the ninja card in the real world the digital version has just as much as the real world and i was like how is that even possible um but then you start thinking well the real world card's just cardboard it's not like that's valuable 
So that was a lesson really early on. My mind has been trained to digital scarcity for quite some time because of that. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, when Ethereum launched, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be perfect. I pitched I pitched a um, on the blockchain Magic the Gathering to one of the earliest, the most prominent financial backer of the Ethereum development. I don't want to say his name at the time. <laughs> I know who you mean. And he, he obviously got gaming anyway, right? He was big in gaming. Yeah. And I think, I think he was interested in it, but I think we both kind of understood the blockchain wasn't quite there yet, or we weren't sure how. So I just never went anywhere. But yeah, I mean, I was thinking about on the chain Magic the Gathering, which I guess ended up being Gods Unchained um, from the very beginning of Ethereum. Very cool, man. Well, look, I really appreciate you um, giving me your story. I know, I, I don't know how many times you you said this. I'm, I'm guessing probably not much, right? It was quite difficult to pin you down. and um, But I appreciate you spending this time to give me the story. I'm, I'm really excited to watch what happens to the project. And again, because it's on chain, because it's composable, all kinds of crazy things can happen with or without your permission, right? With or without your involvement. So um, very excited to see what happens there. Thanks for coming on. Me too. And thank you. So hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, and review. We're going to be dropping two of these a week. So make sure you don't miss a beat. And also follow us on at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the NFT time capsule drop.